rescue team, not assassins. Now, what are we gonna do? In a part of the world where there are no rules. We pick up their trailer, the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean, we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here. You're in a world of hurt. Showtime, kid. Knock, knock. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. You need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took him. We cannot see it. No blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. He was skinned alive! It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. We're all gonna die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, we can kill it. My name is Tom Jennings and this is the 24 Frames cast. This episode was due to come out um, a few weeks ago, but for various reasons it didn't. Um, basically what happened was Predator has finally gotten a home video release, which I think is actually worth um, buying, and I saw it as an opportunity to look at the film. There's a few things happened though which kind of put all that spanner in the works. Um, some relationship issues, and then I went on holiday for a few weeks, and then basically since I've come back, uh, work has just been quite intense. I've had a few projects on and um, a couple of directing jobs, so it's just been a bit hectic to find time to record. However, um, and I, some space in the diary has now cleared. So although this is going to talk about the uh, release of Predator, which was a, a fair few weeks ago on UHD, um, I just thought it'd be fun to go back and take a look at this film and have a look at kind of the career of Arnold Schwarzenegger as well. So it uh, won't be a very long episode, but anyway, it's better to have something out than to kind of sit on it for any longer. So without any further ado, here is my look at Predator. <laughs> Made in 1967, John McTiernan's Predator is one of the quintessential action films of the 80s. Full of huge, muscled super soldiers and using an array of ridiculous weaponry to destroy vast tracts of jungle to kill an alien who has a thing for ripping out spines and parading dead corpses in celebration. Yes, Predator is loud, stupid and kind of shallow, as if that is actually a negative given the film's premise. Yeah, I'm going to make another claim. It's actually quite brilliant, and now at last on 4K UHD, it has been given the home video release that we have waited so long for. After the disastrous wax-faced picture noise reduced nightmare we have had on Blu-ray, as well as an utterly pointless 3D conversion. No, at last we have a Predator we can finally enjoy, so what better excuse to have a look at the film, and of course the career of Arnold Schwarzenegger too. 
Now Schwarzenegger is one of the few male stars whose body has been objectified to that sort of form of modern day Greek god. In his prime he was a ludicrous specimen of male perfection, or a kind of male perfection. You don't necessarily want that body, and calling him a sex symbol would seem a little odd. I don't recall anyone or any female friends ever saying that they fancied Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he doesn't seem to have a kind of sex symbol type mystique. No, it was just simply an object of awe. And re-watching Conan, the Barbarian, John Milius' 1982 masterpiece, Conan feels like a genuine piece of ancient mythology. The film even uses quotes from Genghis Khan in one of the greatest monologues in film history. My fear is that my sons will never understand me. How, We won again! This is good. But what is best in life? The open step. Fleet hordes. Falcons at your wrist. And the wind in your hair. Wrong! Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. That is good. That is good. And when Conan is sentenced to a life of turning the will, the transition from boy to man reveals a superhuman. Muscular and powerful, Conan is now a mythical character who in classical times would be immortalised in statues and tales of heroics. Only this person is real, it's Arnold, it's Conan, and the two mortal and mythical are on screen before you. The camera worships his physicality. Our response is one of wonder and awe. Arnie becomes a walking advert for physical perfection, and on reflection, he is the 1980s star. Arnie is no De Niro or Pacino or Gene Hackman. This is not someone who's graduated from the Leeds Strasberg Institute of Method Acting. He just looks amazing, and surely that's enough. But make no mistake, Arnold works in his films, most because they are relatively simple tales, unencumbered by subtext and wider meaning. They exist to entertain for the duration of their running time, and to be discussed in terms of set pieces and body counts. Conan works because of this. A superhero gets to get his revenge and that's it, but Arnold delivers a sincerity and a genuine sense of gravitas to the film's comic book orange that elevates it beyond its pulp origin. It's not enough to say he has screen presence, of course he does, that, that physique makes it impossible to deny, but he does have a degree of acting chops to sell Conan as a genuine character. You could argue the film hardly pushes him that far, but action films seldom do. Instead you have to believe that in most cases a man on a mission can overcome a series of obstacles and battles to kill the bad guy, and no matter how stacked against the odds are. And Schwarzenegger does this. It's an underrated performance in my view, in a film that deserves a bit more love than it actually gets. It spawned two sequels that never really do it justice, and I feel somewhat this was a lost opportunity for an enduring fantasy series. And having been recently remade, it did prove one thing, only Schwarzenegger can play Conan. I think his best performance comes in The Terminator, and it's obvious to criticise how hard can it be to play a robot. It depends what type and when it comes to emotionist killing machines, Schwarzenegger is most definitely one. There is not a shred of humanity in his creation, every movement seems to be the result of a malign computer program eagerly sinking its prey. Arnold is frankly terrifying and I saw it at the right age, which is way too young, and it scared the crap out of me. James Cameron melds science fiction and B-movie horror 
aesthetic played for zero laughs or kitsch. The monosyllabic Austrian accent can't help comparisons with the Terminator as some kind of Nazi super soldier, yet the Terminator is a singly driven machine whose enemy is the very existence of man itself. It's a huge responsibility in this computer killing machine and Arnold resonate a cruel malice. The fact there is zero reasoning with the robot, zero empathy in it, it's one of the most nihilistic creations in science fiction. It's simply hopeless to resist a thing or it will kill you. Perhaps it was a result of 1980s paranoia about nuclear Armageddon and the inherent threat of instant death, but once again, Arnold's superhuman physique is integral to believing the terror of the Terminator. People just don't look like this. He is literally a massive robot on a mission to blow your brains out. He may be gears and metal underneath, but for the sake of appearance, he's just one huge scary man. It's also an incredibly brave move by Arnold. Bad guys have a tendency to be kite-cast rather easily, and Arnold is the killing machine of nightmares. He would follow it up with the truly awful Red Sonja, the largely forgotten raw deal, and the action comedy Commando. Now, Commando introduces us to one of Arnold's greatest assets. His ability to deliver sarconic one-liners so funny you have to applaud them for their utter ridiculousness. Commando ranks amongst one of the most dumbest films ever made, but I do utterly love it. It feels like a Rubicon moment in his career too. From here on, anything goes. It's his jump-the-shark moment and the point where Arnold can dual-wield machine guns, dodge bullets en masse and stop amongst the carnage to make some witty asides about the demise of his enemies. It's trashy, gaudy and a silly film, and it's kind of the point. It's high concept aimed for men who want to sit back and with a load of beers and watch utter carnage, something I've done many times when watching Commando. And in the age of CGI excesses, it may seem a little tame to younger eyes, and dear God, it probably offends every group on Earth. But I won't lie, I absolutely love this film, and I never fail to laugh my way through it. But all being said, you never feel there's any form of peril in Commando. You know Arnold is getting his daughter back, and it's like this makes it disposable in a very fun way. His next film, however, would be a very different affair. The fusion of everything that had gone before, the humour, the violence and the scares, in John McTiernan's 1987 Predator. Written by brothers John and Jim Thomas, Predator is a mashup of war, science fiction and a new kind of high concept action film. And it's worth noting that preceding Predator, we already had seen the release of two Rambo films, several missing in actions, Aliens, Cobra, Iron Eagle, Beverly Hills Cops 1 and 2, and Lethal Weapon, on and on and on. It seems audiences could not get enough of men blowing stuff up, and Predator arrived into a rather crowded market. Contemporary reviews were not kind, it was described as tired, boring and rather repetitive. I think it's a sort of harsh appraisal, and with the recent 4K UHD release of the film, it was time to go back and have a look at this slice of 80s ultra-violence. The story involves a group of elite American soldiers led by Dutch, Schwarzenegger, who are drafted into a jungle rescue mission by CIA agent Dylan, played by Carl Weathers. After an almighty shootout that basically consists of Dutch and co walking through a jungle compound, killing everyone in sight, Dutch comes to the conclusion that this was no rescue mission. Dylan has set him up on an old-fashioned mission just to kill the bad guys. But there's more going on than anyone can possibly grasp. Those skinned bodies they found earlier weren't the victims of some war crime. No, they were trophies of an intergalactic killing machine on his annual safari, and now they are its prey. Predator is a rather unique film in that its scale actually contracts as the film progresses. 
Corporate product demands big. Remember when you didn't see the monster for an hour? Well, now if it's not in the trailer, you sure as shit are going to see it in the first 10 minutes. Predator builds its scenario superbly. Dutch and the guys chew their way through human enemies with relative ease. They are better armed and seemingly better trained than anyone else around them. And they resemble the heroes from the Gears of War game franchise. Muscul mus muscles equate power in the 80s action film, yet we the audience know the Predator exists through a scary set of POV shots in which we see it tracking the enemy in with this kind of infrared or thermal imaging camera that it's wearing. We know it is somehow invisible to them, we know it's stalking them, and the film allows the audience to piece together the creature's strengths. The Predator is an interesting protagonist, with its intentions slowly revealed through the film. Yes, it's effectively on safari, only the Predator is not just a simple killing machine. There is clearly method in its brutality, and indeed rules that it sticks to. He won't just kill you for the sake of it, you have to be armed, and clear it likes setting ambushes and testing its foes before dispatching them. The only persona is that he is more often not the superior warrior. He simply kills anyone who gets in his way with the wittiest side to boot. In Predator, however, there is a genuine sense that he is going to be in trouble, and part of the film's appeal is that it does contain a palpable sense of peril. Indeed, the Predator has a villain who actually is an equal, if not superior, to the guys that we get to like. In a very short space of time, we really come to know these guys. The script gives them actual personalities. They are funny, good nature, and have a real good bond between them. Predator makes you like them. These guys matter to each other and the audience. And as they are slowly whittled down, you become consciously aware of the fact that Arnie is indeed in big, big trouble. And even by 80 standards, and even by 80 standards, Predator celebrates hyper-masculinity to an extreme. As Arnie is left alone to take on the Predator, he has to strip himself of weapons and literally revert to the most fundamental, basic, natural state. He must defeat the Predator in the way God intended, with natural elements, mud, rocks and fire. In this situation, advanced referee does not count for anything. There's a temptation to possibly see this as a kind of counter to the idea of American military might. Vietnam, for example, was a war in which America deployed by far in advance the most sophisticated fighting force on earth and still lost, possibly due to its reluctance to get up and close and personal to the enemy and fight them in more equal terms. Predator, on the other hand, rejects the idea of technology as being the great leveller of enemies and demands that its protagonists defeat each other by natural means only. And it's an interesting, quite refreshing premises. As the film contracts, our sense of fear slowly begins to build. There are no more jokes and one-liners, and suddenly that noise in the bushes could well be the Predator just waiting to come out and rip Arnie's spine out. Katinan is wise enough, however, to show us that the Predator 2 is not completely devoid of being able to be harmed. We see him patching himself up where he's been shot in the leg and he performs some kind of bizarre surgery himself before letting out a scream of pain. Now he might have the advantage but he too can suffer. The battle royale therefore is established. Both sides can hurt so who is going to win? And so often in modern cinema there is no sense of peril and it's something that I've become all too aware of. The Marvel films for example at their most violent never seem to really place their characters in real danger. Yes, in Infinity War a few are bumped off, but really, we know they're coming back. Predator feels dangerous in comparison, and much of that comes from the fact that this isn't a CGI creation also. 
Having recently rewatched Alien Covenant and Alien, I became consciously aware that CGI simply does not work for scares. And the alien may well be a just a man in a suit, but it's infinitely more terrifying than what can be spat out of a computer. And of course Predator is a man in a suit. At one stage Jean-Claude Van Damme kind of played the role in the kind of beta outfit before he quit the project. But this Stan Winston creation is a legitimately terrifying vision, played by actor Kevin Peter Hall, who stood a staggering 7.27 foot 2. The Predator looks like a version of mankind that somehow a few hundred thousand years ago crossbred with an insect and some creature from the bottom of the sea. It's also fucking cool. It's a legitimate good baddie. And part of you kind of roots for it, or they certainly do me. And it's a compelling villain. You want to know more about him. Where's he from? What's it doing? Where does it get its ethics from? What kind of society has made this? And a few sequels later we get some of these answers, but as a young impressionable film watcher, there was a mystery to the Predator and a mystique that I rather enjoyed. Predator is also a generically a hybrid film. Of course it's science fiction, it's also a slasher film, a war film, and more broadly speaking an action adventure that extracts the best elements from all of them. We get ridiculous weaponry on display, and producer Joel Silver was also a huge fan of the A-Team and its shows. It has fun with the genre it plays with. The violence is, is absolutely brutal and whereas, and whereas some filmmakers show you the worst off screen, McTiernan shows you exactly what an alien versus mercenary face off would be like. Arms get blown off, bodies get blown to pieces, heads get caved in and it's, also, and it's ultra violence of a very 80s kind. It never feels gratuitous however, it earns its violence and after we get some good, Ar good Arnold lines like stick around and knock knock, when the film gets down to its seriousness, it's a bloody gory affair that snaps you back into a grim reality. And credit go, must go to McTiernan for keeping the whole thing together in this superbly directed film. I was struck by his use of long takes. Just watch as Dutch and the crew arrive at the rebel camp, the camera tracks with them as they slide along before panning up to reveal the enemy base. It's effortless and simple, but crucially, it gets you drawn into the film in a way that feels organic and natural without becoming overbearing. The jungle feels constrictive and McTiernan uses the 185 frame as opposed to going wide with the added height. And this kind of framing almost mimics the human eye where we feel like we're experiencing the film from a point of view perspective. Sometimes this literally happens when we see the Predator's thermal vision, but, but McTiernan does create a real sense of intimacy. And the film does go big, but he's also wise enough to know to bring it down a notch to whereby it's just the, the team and literally what they can see in front of them. Again, it's rare nowadays to see such restrained direction. Bigger equals better, or so the thought goes. And McTiernan drip feeds the scenario. The Predator being caught in a trap, only to turn the tables and lay its own. He makes impressive use of the environment. The moment where the Predator jumps into the water never fails to scare. It's so simple, yet the abstraction of seeing the light splash and around the shimmering form is legitimately creepy. And when Arnold and the Predator begin their fight, he resists the urge to edit the sequences to death. You take, get time to get on board and see what is happening, to actually see the fight and react to it. And I also think he gets fine performances from his actors. Yeah, no one's going to win any Oscars for this, at least of all Schwarzenegger. But look at the actual fear in the face of Poncho when he announces that the team didn't actually hit anything when they were firing off so many rounds. The band actually looks scared, and it's because McTiernan is taking the film seriously, and it's why we find ourselves liking it. There is a consummate precision and economically 
an economy to how he uses style grammar to bring you into it. Those predator POVs are mysterious enough to let you know the team are being hunted. It's an assured piece of filmmaking from a director who understands action and the importance of moments to keep you invested. And Predator is very much a product of its time. It's ferociously masculine, made in a masculine age. It's a film made by men for men, and it's not a shame to revel in this. Made at a time when Arnold was reaching the very peak of his star persona, everything about Predator works because of the very nature of a being. It doesn't get bogged down in boring politics or allegory, and it's a pleasingly superficial, shallow experience. Men fight against an alien, and that's it. It's not overly complicated in any way possible. Yet for such a simple story, it's not treated like a mega-budget B-movie. It's actually really good and has a level of violence to it that doesn't pander to an audience-friendly certificate. This is a hard R-rated film, and you go into it on its terms. Don't like seeing spines ripped out of people's back? Then fuck you, because that's exactly what you're going to get here. Now, upon its release, it received mixed reviews, mostly around the wafer-thin plot. And I would contest that this is his greatest strength. You don't need loads of characters. You don't need subplots or backstories. Sometimes what you just need is old-fashioned ultra-violence. And Predator gives you this. Is it a perfect film? Well, no. But it's the perfect right slice of mayhem washed down with a few beers and some possibly some drugs of your choice. Hell fucking yes. And rejoice because this UHD release is the one we have all been waiting for. The film looks great. And by great, I mean gritty without the need for having the image artificially cleaned up with picture noise reduction. I won't say it's probably the best example of UHD that there can possibly be, but it's certainly, definitely, this time, Fox have actually got it right. One word of warning, though, that the transfer of the film on UHD is not the same on the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray is the older version, so if you were hoping to buy this with... Um, the, the idea of upgrading to a UHD player in the future and you can still watch the Blu-ray and get this new improved version. No, it, it, it certainly isn't. So it's a little bit of a disappointment. But overall, I was really pleased with the film, how it looks, everything about it. It sounds great. So I can definitely recommend, if you do have a UHD player, picking it up. So that's going to be that for, the, for this episode of the 24 Frames Cast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I will be back soon. I will be back as soon as I possibly can. And in the interim, um, if you want to get in contact with me, you can find me on Twitter at 24framescast. You can email me 24framescast at gmail.com. Uh, many thanks for listening, and I'll be in contact soon. Bye.